We're going to kind of uh, blend our worship series into um, Father's Day. I normally, I don't always feel the pressure or responsibility to do a themed message based on a holiday or a day that we celebrate, but as I was thinking about this week, I thought it would be good to, to weave in a way in which um, we as fathers can offer our worship to God because worship is more than a song. And so I'm gonna give you seven ways in which we as dads and men can worship God. And um, for, for the ladies who are in the room, I think this is important for us to kind of um, talk about together for a couple different reasons. Um, when one of the things that's challenging is when men are trying to be men the way that God has designed them to be, and they feel as though they're not allowed to live out that expression of a godly man because they feel as though maybe they're being throttled back by um, a, an, an individual who doesn't understand what they're wired to do, that can make our assignment as men very challenging. So I'm gonna say some things today from a man's perspective, and I'm going to make generalized statements, but it's to both empower and encourage men and to kind of also equip and educate um, ladies to understand what men have kind of built on the inside of them. Does that sound like an okay thing to do for us today? Um, I, I wanna do this because I really want to affirm men because um, I watched as a, as a young man on Mother's Day in church that on Mother's Day the house would be packed, and I get that it's before Memorial Day and it's before the, the summer movement happens and people are doing vacation, so there's just a natural kind of tendency for Mother's Day to be poised for better connection in church. But I noticed something in church, and I've, I've referenced this, that in church, Mother's Day was, hooray for moms, moms are great, we don't know what we would do without you, and uh, we buy you a car or do something special for you, right? It's like, it's like, go mom. And then Father's Day comes in the church, and it's like, we wonder why guys don't wanna be in church because um, we don't really get that guys need affirmation too, and Father's Day in my church experience would basically be summarized like this. Um, dads suck and need to do better. And we wonder why uh, guys don't want to participate in that. It's just like a beating up of dad. Mother's Day, we affirm moms. And Father's Day, we just beat up on dads. And today is not going to be a beating up of dad. Today is going to be um, uh, an affirming of dad and an encouraging of dad and, and men. Um, I, I'm, I know that I'm saying some things today that if you are aware of some cultural movements that really, um, if I can just speak plainly to you, I'm going to ask, um, I've asked God already, but um, I'm going to kind of tell you what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm asking God to let the weight of his word be found as a place in your heart over me needing to use a tone to convince you of something. In other words, I don't want the weight to be in a tone that I share. I really want it to be in the power and strength of who God is. I, I, I don't wanna come in might or in power, but, but things come to us and change and are transformed by the Spirit of God, amen? And if you're aware of some things that are culturally going on, 
there are, there are some movements out there that are um, really built on a misunderstanding of who men are. And so there are movements out there to speak against what has been labeled toxic masculinity. There is a, a whole movement in culture to, to tear down an institution of, of the patriarchy or a patriarchal approach. And these things, if you're, if you're not familiar with them, it's okay, but I just want to say that there, there is there is a godly way to be a dad and a father. And I don't want us to be backing off of the foundation and the strength that dads and men bring to homes because of the exceptions and abuse and unhealthy approaches that some individuals have brought to the role of being a man or a father. In other words, I don't want us to water down what it means to be a man, to be strong, but in a godly way. And, and, and I know that this day can be difficult, especially because when, in terms of moms and dads being kind of compared to one another, my guess would be that statistically there are more abusive fathers than there are abusive mothers. And I would guess that there are more absent fathers than there are absent mothers. I, I'm guessing that there are more of us who have been estranged from our dads than who have been estranged from our moms. And what I want to say is that, to me, is an obvious attack of the enemy to take away the strength that God meant for fathers to be in culture, in society, in homes, in churches, in businesses, in governmental places of authority that are meant to bring strength and honor to us as individuals, not to demean us, put us down, and take advantage of us. And so I want us to look at that through this lens. And so we've looked at a text in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, I want to read that again, and just for sake of, uh, to recall it to your mind. Give to the Lord, verse 29 says, give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms chapter 37 says this, in verses 23 through 25. David, writing, says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he, the, the good man, fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. David says this, I've been young and now am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. I want us to look at seven steps of a good man. Seven steps of a good man that are actually expressions of worship. And again, I want to say this so that men and women, husbands and wives are on the same page because if, 
We don't understand God's order for the home, for the family, and for relationships, and then, we're, then we're left to kind of coming up with our own idea, and that's when struggle and challenge happens in the home. So number one step in worshiping God is this. Fathers are meant to lead families. Fathers and men have an instinct to cast vision, to see the big picture, and to have a desire to execute that vision for their family. In the Bible, God over and over charges men to be responsible for leading their households in devotion to God. They have an industrious spirit and an, an oftentimes an unstoppable grit. Uh, I just won't quit and I won't be defeated and I'm not gonna give up on this thing until it's finished. Sometimes my wife doesn't understand why I get so obsessed with a certain thing until it's done, but there's just something the way in the way that God has made us as men that once we start something, we have to finish that thing. How many obsessive compulsive men do I have in the room today? It's like, if I'm talking your language, then help me. Help me as I help you, okay? Because I don't want to be left alone in this, but it's just like your laser beam locked on. And it doesn't make sense. But man, when the internet goes down, I can't, I can't carry on with my, I don't even need to use the internet, but I can't carry on until the Wi-Fi and the modem are working again. We're wired to lead the task of leading a family, especially today, it requires bravery, decisiveness, courage, and devotion to God. Over the last couple of weeks, we've read a text where Jesus was asked about what's the most important thing in the kingdom of God. How many of you remember that? And we, we've started looking at some of those sacred pathways and how we connect with God. In Deuteronomy chapter six, we see where Jesus derives this answer. And this, a few verses, but, but follow as I, listen as I read Deuteronomy chapter six, um, verses one through nine. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. And here it is. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. This is the part that you should be remembering. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, watch this, are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. He's speaking to the men. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What's he saying? Everywhere you go and everything you do, dads, men, remind your families, lead 
your families to love God. Number two, the second step that a good man will take in his worship to God, not only will he lead his family, but he will protect. They not only lead, they guard. They are charged to protect the vulnerable and the innocent. They're, um, let me say it to you this way, dads are meant to be suspicious of their daughter's boyfriends. It's okay, I've been Licking County, I know exactly where I am, it's okay when the boy comes to pick up your daughter to have a chat with him on the couch while you're cleaning your rifle. <laughs> it's perfectly okay. Just to remind, thank you, I will preach a little bit. Just to remind him that you are the protector. Some of you are uncomfortable with that, I myself am not. They are driven to make a home for their families, to protect. I love Ephesians, this is, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but in Ephesians chapter six, the Bible teaches us about the full armor of God, that this is not just natural protection, but it's also spiritual protection, that we are to pray in the spirit over our families out of a sense of protection for them and not wanting them to fall into traps. Number three, fathers are also not only to lead and protect, but we are to be examples. We're to show the right path. It is not a coincidence that there is a high correlation between fatherlessness and the brokenness of children. That's worth writing down. It's not a coincidence that there is a high correlation between fatherlessness and the brokenness of children. Husbands are meant and dads are meant to be examples. Being an adult is difficult. And adulthood oftentimes is better caught than it is taught to show them by example what it means to be a man, to have the children alongside of you doing that chore or doing that thing. Let me, I guess I wanna say it to you this way. Women and mothers are not the only ones who have the responsibility in the household to teach and show children the right way to live their life. It isn't, like, it isn't like mom is the picture of little house on the prairie and dad is the picture of family guy. <laughs> Dads are meant to be carried and have a stature of honor and dignity. We can also have fun and have a little bit of irreverence at times, but it's important that we don't just delegate the work of the example of how to live a godly life to the women in the children's lives. I believe that children ought to see men worshiping God. I believe that children ought to see their dads 
praying over the food. I believe that children ought to see their dads keeping their word, saying, we're going to do this. I think children ought to see dads who are leading the charge and saying, hey, it's time to get up. We're going to church, not delegating that only to mom or to the lady in the household, but that men take up the responsibility to lead by example. A dad and a godly man, a good man, leaves a good example and is an irreplaceable asset to his kids. 1 Kings 15, 11 says this, and Asa, watch this, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David, his father, had done. They're watching. Four, fathers are meant to be teachers. We're meant to be carriers of wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a genius in every area of life. When it comes to technical kind of fixer-upper things around the house, I'm not great. I'm, I'm really bad at it. But there are other things that I am good at. Everyone is a genius in the area of their giftedness. So when it came time for our oldest son to go into the workforce and start doing interviews, that was something that I could help him with. I have a way with words. I can string together a sentence most of the time. And so he's asking me questions about interviewing and so on and so forth. And I was able to teach him some things. We have an instinct for what's best for our kids. Dads are meant to teach us. May I say that I think that one of the things that I've observed in culture that bothers me is that um, dads and men have been lowered in the eyes of society to nothing more than the crude, belching, scratching caricature on television. And I think it's meant to erode their influence and their authority in our lives. And I think that that is, I think that's a shame. I think that is a massive shame because God designed us in a way to teach also. Look at Proverbs chapter four. Verses one through four says this, listen my sons to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. Ephesians chapter six says something that I find absolutely fascinating. Fathers, do not exasperate. One translation says frustrate. Do not frustrate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Many of these things, guys, are not new or revelation to you. They're not brand new. They're reminders for you to say, oh, this is my assignment. This is who I'm designed to be. Me being who God designed me to be is an act of worship. 
Number five, we're not only teachers, leaders, protectors, but fathers give stability. Great dads can be the backbone to the family unit. They provide a steady foundation, a firm handshake, and a consuming hug when we need it. In Bible verses about fathers, we see that they provide the steadiness that we need to look out from our homes and into the world as we embark on a wild adventure, but we need to have a rock-steady faith that comes from our fathers. I've noticed something, that fathers bring stability. When fathers become estranged from their children, the children become estranged from each other. When fathers become estranged from children, then the children become estranged from one another. What does that mean? It means that when fathers and kids don't have a good relationship, normally the siblings amongst themselves don't have a solid relationship. Something about dads that brings stability to the home. Malachi 4, 6 says this, he, God, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Number six, fathers are meant to be loving. Nothing can replace a dad's love. Daughters need their dad's love. Sons need their dad's love. Let me say it to you this way. Fathers have as much to do with the shaping of their daughter's femininity as the mothers do. A dad begins to shape and mold a daughter in a way that a mom cannot. A father prepares a daughter to be loved forever by another man. And when the dad sets the bar really high, then the dad can rest easy knowing that the daughter is going to choose someone who is worthy of her, her love because the dad has already set the standard of what she is worthy of and she understands what she's worthy of because the father has set that tone by loving her properly. I know that what I'm saying might feel to some people to be old-fashioned, but it isn't. It isn't at all. I'm pausing because I want to make sure I say this correctly. Our oldest daughter has recently introduced us to a young man that she likes and maybe more than likes. And we got to meet him. He is a nice young man and I was not worried because Julia is her father's daughter. 
Some of the mentors in my life have said that Julia is me with girl parts, <laughs> which is very scary for the guys. <laughs> and so when we met James, I knew James was going to be okay because if you break through the tough exterior that is Julia, then you've earned something. And so I'm saying this, that when you invest in your children and are able to show pride in your children and love them in a way, you set them up for success as adults. The way a dad loves a child, I guess it's easy to say, will become a template for that child as they seek to find other relationships that will be lasting and meaningful in their life, or that one specific relationship. Psalms 103 says this, and it brings me to the last one, seven. It's a kind of a connector between six and seven. Psalm 103, 13 says this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God meant, this is maybe the most important thing that I want you to hear me say. God meant for the relationship of a father to reflect how he wants to relate to us as our heavenly father. In other words, fathers are to reflect God's unique love for us. They're meant to show us what it is to receive love from God. We are made in his likeness, and just like we bear the likeness, just like that, we bear the likeness of our heavenly Father. This is probably the most challenging part of, for me in terms of wanting to grow, mature. As your children age, your role to them becomes different. And how you reflect the Heavenly Father to them has to evolve a bit. And in Luke 15, we see a beautiful picture, which I'll read in just a moment. A father ought to have unwavering commitment to their children. Why? because we are to reflect the nature of God. And our Heavenly Father has an unwavering commitment to us. Not to, not to condone behavior that's destructive to us, but in the middle of the destructive behavior that we're in, to not waver in his love for us and to gently or strongly, however the occasion serves us, to call us to his side. an unwavering commitment to a rebellious child, a glowing pride in the positive sense when a child 
excels and does their best. A willingness to sacrifice everything to be in a relationship with our kids. That's what our Heavenly Father does. That's why I cannot understand and want to make a call to men today to affirm you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. But if, if you've distanced yourself from your children or there's been a distance between you and your children as dads, may I, may I just strongly urge you be willing to do whatever is necessary to be in a relationship with them, even if that means accepting responsibility for something that really wasn't yours in the first place to be blamed for? That's a hard thing to say, right? It's a hard thing to hear. But there's very little that's more powerful than a father humbling themselves and embracing a child who's been far away. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20 through 24, the story of the prodigal son as he returns. And this is what it says in verse 20. And he, the son, arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. And they began to be merry. I believe that every time a father is reconciled back to their children, there's a party that goes on in heaven. Today is not in pursuit of the perfect man or the perfect dad, but it is to affirm and say, you've got the goods to do these things. This is the way God has designed you. So for single dads, you can do this. You got this. For those who are in a traditional family setting where mom and dad have been married and are raising children together, husbands and wives, moms and dads get on the same page about each other's roles. Doesn't mean, when I say, when I say these things, it doesn't mean that ladies are incapable, but may I just say this that I've seen far too often where, I don't think I wanna open that can of worms. Okay, maybe give it a thought. Ladies, maybe you're not doing it because you need to. Maybe you're doing it because you haven't waited for him to. That you felt he hasn't done it quickly enough or in the way that you would do it. And so you pick up the, the burden and the weight and then and you go with it and then you, then you end up being resentful for doing the thing that isn't assigned to you solely to do. And so maybe kind of letting that go and inviting him in to pick that up would be a great team effort as you begin 
to lead your families together in the way that you're both uniquely designed. I, I want to say that as I've watched our church for nearly 18 years, I've really watched this, I've really watched us grow as a church. We have a lot of great, great dads in our church. That's why I'm able to stand up here and affirm and remind and encourage, ask you to kind of seek God. Where is the area of these seven that you're doing well or that maybe the one or two that you need to pick back up again and, and be strong in and, and grow in? I've watched and I just want to affirm the dads. All the one size doesn't fit all. There's, there's single dads. There's, there's dads and moms who are in the same home. There are, there are blended families where there's stepmoms and stepdads. And I've seen all different kinds of families pull together for the kids and say, we want to do it God's way. And I know that's who our, I know that's who's in our church. People are just saying, Pastor Josh, I just want to do it God's way. Will you help me? I just want to do it God's way. And the best thing is when God shows you his way, that you do it his way. The father came running out to meet the son, totally ignored the inferiority and the insecurities that he blurted out in terms of I'm not worthy and so on and so forth. He ignored all that and gave him a gift and threw him a party. Father's assignment, the seven steps to worship. Fathers are meant to lead families. Fathers are meant to be protectors. Fathers are meant to be examples. Fathers are meant to be teachers. Fathers bring stability. Fathers give love. And lastly, fathers reflect God's unique love back to us. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope it's been encouraging for you. I hope it's strengthened you and I hope it's given you something to be reminded of and to put into practice in your life um, before you get home today. Thank you.